hello everyone welcome to the new episode of everyday talkies now before you jump on to listening to this episode wait take a breath smile get your regular dose of life changing entropy here on everyday talkies hello guys welcome to the new episode of everyday talkies we are back with another episode of guns germs and steel and today we have with you your co-host as usual pushkar hello 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 yeah we have been becoming really slow in terms of recording i don't uh, like the audience would not know about it but yeah yeah the audience wouldn't know but like to be fair there was a flood in my town so like <laughs> uh, yeah it's been it's been a, a couple of interesting uh, few weeks yeah but i uh, was seeing from your instagram that you were uh, enjoying the nature and posting pictures and you know giving me a huge fomo <laughs> it's okay you can enjoy it through the book uh, hopefully hopefully this book was so depressing at times that i was like what the hell like was humanity humanity just boiled down to one word murder but okay let's not jump the gun and uh, will uh, also for people who are joining us uh, this chapter is i think chapter 14 so this is the 15th episode this chapter name is from egalitarianism to kleptocracy uh, pushkar will explain you what those mean but before that for people who are joining us for the first time guys go i know see there are 14 episodes in this series right and it's a daunting task but i'm sure you'll enjoy them you know we had amazing conversations watch it on 2x or sorry listen it on 2x and uh, get it over with because it's really really amazing and but if you still are feeling lazy and you want a recap i don't know whether i'll be able to do justice to the recap but let me go for it <laughs> so uh, we started uh, the book with uh, the book is guns jumps and steel by jared diamond and we started answering the question uh, which uh, the author found out in polynesia uh, that you know why humans evolved the way they did and we started with the first chapter which was you know about um, human evolution how we evolved from apes and all of that and how we migrated to the different parts of the world from 7 million years ago to first modern humans a million years ago and all of that so it's very very interesting i'm enticing you guys go listen to that episode again <laughs> and then the next two chapters was i think one of our favorites as well where we discussed the experiments with history where uh, the maori moriori the polynesia areas um, the spaniards attacking um, What, what was that kamarka uh, that was in peru uh, so that was interesting as well and then we jumped to the uh, part 2 of the book where we were discussing the importance of food in uh, the uh, history of human evolution you know starting with why farmers are important uh, you know how did like did we domesticate plants or was it the opposite you know to get the answer listen to that episode <laughs> then we made some nut jokes on the almond episode then we made some indian jokes on the apples or indian episodes then we made some marriages joke on the zebra <laughs> marriage episode <laughs> and uh, towards the end of that section we had i think uh, the chapter blew both of our minds when we got to know that the axes and the latitudes and longitudes played a major role in how human migration took place unless you are a geography nerd i'm sure you won't know it so guys listen to it <laughs> and then we moved into the i think the third part which is i think today is the last part of this third part last episode of this third part where we started with you know uh, understanding about germs and all their impacts around the world then the evolution of writing then we talked in the last episode we talked about technology and this episode we'll be talking about government and religion you know everything that is uh, right or wrong or yes, everything yes our favorite topics <laughs> i'm not sure how much we'll stick to the chapter content and just ramble on and go out on a tangent but uh, stay tuned with all of that so pushkar you know before we jump into this this chapter had very very heavy words okay egalitarianism and kleptocracy just tell us what do these words even mean okay it's simple enough uh, egalitarianism just is like a fancy word for uh, equality it um, it means basically it talks about 
a concept which says that you know all people in a society should have equal rights from birth which is simple enough to understand it's basic equality and uh, whereas kleptocracy is like the almost the opposite of it where in a kleptocracy there is one person who is the head and everybody else is basically working to um, increase the that that guy's wealth or provide for him or you know do stuff in in his name for his uh, for his benefit you know so we'll obviously look at uh, where egalitarianism and kleptocracy have come into play how they have come into play uh, over our 13000 year history and jared diamond himself starts with uh, the most simple example where he talks about the fayu tribe right the fayu tribe that he came across in papua new guinea uh not even a tribe they were more like the five people who were who lived completely um in isolated family units and they had no no uh, collective collect sense of community they had no collected uh collected sense of government or no sense of organization and uh, every so often they would come together uh, like once every six months or so to have a gathering and to talk about issues and to eke out things and it would get really violent and it would get really uh, you know there would be a lot of conflict and uh, you know it was generally considered to be a very bad situation that, that is how most of papua new guineans lived uh, for many reasons that we'll find out later before you know um, but puska you need to add the important point what happened when they occasionally met Uh, during those uh, random meetings after 6 months or a year what really happened during those meetings uh, what would end up happening is uh, there would be one family one person from a family who had killed some other person's father and so uh, that guy would come in uh, come and see that come in contact with the killer and he would be like you killed my father prepare to die and that guy would be like oh like you can't kill me i'll kill you first and it would almost end in bloodshed like this is the question that he tries to answer that how did we evolve from a society where initially we lived in lived in silos right and uh, because we lived in such small groups we knew everybody and that's why we would not fight and when we met some stranger we would directly jump into murder for some reason or the other <laughs> right and so how did we evolve from you know living in a society like ours where 1.3 billion people live under this country and you know we don't kill strangers on a very frequent basis and you know what were the factors with all of I mean, that we try not to yeah we try not to uh, so what jared diamond was talking about was that uh, the five people and the way they live that is one the one end of the spectrum which is the which is on the opposite side of uh, what we call the modern society he says that modern american society and the five differ in the presence or absence of a professional police force cities money distinctions between rich and poor and many other political economic and social institutions and he asks did all of those institutions arise together or did some arise before others the question he is posing is that the society that we have now the complex you know web of all these institutions and organizations uh, working in tandem to kind of uh, make or make our society function as it is you know uh, keep our roads clean uh, keep water in our houses uh, keep the electricity going uh, how does that work and how did that come about and how effectively does it still work i mean he doesn't really go into the latter part but at least how it uh, how all these things arose and uh, yeah to give a personal example you know because of the floods i haven't had like we haven't had water uh, water at home for like the past 3 days because the pumping house drowned uh, for the second time in 2 years so because the government is incompetent that's a whole another thing but yeah basically uh, just to uh, just to illustrate the point that 
how easy it is uh, for society as a whole for like uh, social structure as a whole to break down when something like a flood happens it's like you don't have electricity you don't have water and for it to come back to normal like the flood only lasted two days but to come for it to come back to normal it's it's going to take more than two weeks just like it just goes to show how complex the society is and how fragile it is at the same time i think there's an interesting thing because he um we'll dive more deep into that once we you know learn the four sections which i think devotes most of chapter 2 but we won't uh, we'll tell you you know small tidbits from each of the sections but uh, very mentions that how societies evolved uh, into four different categories or you know moved from one category to the other you know initially we were bands then we moved into tribes chiefdoms and states so going from the beginning i think uh, bands were like dozens of uh, dozens of people banding together and living together and it arose not from you know modern human beings or something it arose from animals you know uh, even uh, animals like uh, bonobos chimpanzees all of them live in uh, bands and uh, they live in bands in africa everywhere so and that is that is how we arose i'm sure you know there won't be one single human being uh, lying or roaming around in africa without any other person and living his entire life i'm sure that is not possible so yeah Uh, that is how we did, and then we slowly is most. I think most prevalently, and even we can see it even today, right? There are some tribes in um, Andaman. There's some tribe, I'm sure, in um, those obscure Pacific islands that are, you know, saved by the uh, activists and are not yet infiltrated by the government trying to revamp their lives. Uh, tribe part again, it's just uh, moving from dozens to uh, hundreds of them, where. Uh, you know they all lived close together there was no i would say hierarchy in that sense in both of these sections because people as we mentioned earlier right people uh, knew each other and so they would interact each other uh, they would you know cultivate their food or if they were hunter gatherers were again it bands right so when they let the sedentary life they settled down developed a tribe you know living in close proximity the most in- uh, exciting point came out when you know this he started talking about chiefdoms and state and there he spends a bit of time there where he talked about how chiefdoms were like you know expanded version of tribes so tribes coalitated to form chiefdoms and there were thousands in numbers and that is where the first we moved from egalitarianism to infancy of kleptocracy where we had the concept of centralized power we had the concept of hereditary uh, chiefs uh, who could be distinguished you know by the feathered hats hats in hawaii no and it's just like while reading the whole chief thing in uh, the idea of a kleptocracy uh, what struck me as most interesting was i i kept wondering about who was that one person in every kind of um, in every tribe mm-hmm. that basically was just like a, a next level peku and that guy was just like i'll take advantage of the naivety of these people and just say that there is a god that lives in earth he has uh, deigned me to be a king like basically every tribe has a loki and uh, that loki tries to uh, create a whole fictional hierarchy to in basically for the sole purpose of uh, ruling over other people and it's like it's it's an innate uh, kind of uh, affliction or a disease that some people have that they have to kind of um, like you know loki has to kind of find someone to uh, lord over or find someone to uh, uh, rule over you know so it's the same way with kind of these people and i think that's how most uh, chiefdoms came about uh, he mentions that this is not true for all cases like i understand you know there is that one loki but then there are some good lokis as well like the alligator loki okay now we are just totally right <laughs> guys no more lokis this chiefs right uh, chief yeah there were chiefs like in the maori region right where uh, again he mentions in this book where or the moriori region sorry not the maori the moriori where the population was so less even though there was a chief 
he was very just chief right because you know in chiefdoms that was the first time the concept of taxes came about now what is taxes here it's basically you know the people who are uh, developing through surplus foods they will give it to the chief and chief will redistribute it amongst others who are you know doing let's say craftsmanship or other things for that matter it's basically compensation exactly and in the moriori region like whatever the chief used to get he used to live in a same hut as the others yeah he used to hide that uh, hat to tip off to everybody but uh, he uh, used to distribute all the food to everybody so basically you know that was a more just system but then obviously that could not survive and and there were you know for that one case of just chief there was like thousand cases of unjust chiefs who were basically you know taking 100 amounts of food and distributing like 50 and keeping 50 for themselves or there were people who just distributed 10 and kept 90 for themselves and basically became the sole rulers with billions and billions of uh, or i don't know billions and billions of food grains <laughs> you know there's one line uh, i love this line i also mentioned it before but i want to really quote it he mentions with the rise of chiefdoms around 7500 years ago people had to learn for the first time in history how to encounter strangers regularly without attempting to kill them <sighs> what is that innate need to kill people like is it just the you know lust for power like the lokiness in us it's it's it must be like a combination of fear and uh, greed you know that uh, makes a person kill another person because uh, like we we have such overactive imaginations that uh, we kind of create scenarios in our head that uh, in a way kind of uh, lead us to believe that there is uh, this hell that is waiting for us and the only way that to avoid that hell is to kill another person you know or like uh, maybe like maybe it's an overactive imagination or maybe it's a lack of imagination that you don't see any other alternatives than killing people that it's just simpler to uh, murder someone and kind of invoke fear in other people rather than kind of peacefully resolving it or rather than finding contentment in what you have or what you can get or you know i think it's a genetic flaw why do i say this because you know remember in in in, in this chapter as well in the earlier days or in the early chapters also he mentioned that because humans of their inability to remember more than 100 or so faces right and it's impossible like uh, you know a certain few members around your house and you know your extended family and you know that they're good people you're good to them and the others you didn't you don't really care about at all okay now people back then they also had those limitations right they only could know about the few people that they are surrounded with and they have never met humans we are living in the internet age so we know there are people in asia people in america people in australia all with different accents different abilities and all of that but back then people were living in the small bands of unaware that there are people like them but they were only aware of those 10 or 20 people around them or maybe you know in a tribe 100 people around them but when they you know encountered tribes from different places who they might look a bit different you know not a huge lot they might or even if they look same it would be somebody they have never encountered so that primal instinct right and if you see an animal you try to kill them because well that animal will hurt you i think that instinct has taken over and that is what i think he keeps on mentioning i don't know why i thought about this but it came to me but like i think this might be the reason why you know we have this yeah i mean it makes sense makes sense that we have this uh, fight or flight instinct uh, mm-hmm. that has survived in us ever since we were kind of hunter gatherers and we had to kind of genetically evolve to uh, fear certain things or like uh, kill certain things you know so it might be that we haven't completely shared that part of our uh, evolution and uh, you know there is some part of us that still uh, goes back to the whole the what what we call the savage mind you know and uh, we haven't completely shared our uh, we haven't completely become 
these intellectual beings that uh, uh, you know fictional characters like captain picard are. <laughs> true you know or i would just say that if you could develop a human being uh, who could uh, who has the ability to remember like a billion or two faces i'm like that person is sorted right because if he knows a billion or two people i'm sure they're not he's not killing uh, that many people and the world would eventually become a nicer place to live in but okay uh, moving aside from uh, fantasy world this is section pushkar which i want you to talk about okay and this was so amazing i'll just read the line and you tell me uh, the points that he discussed he said what should an elite do to gain popular support while still maintaining a more comfortable lifestyle than commoners like that was the legit question that he asked in the book that a you know step by step guide on how to become a aristocrat or a ruler you know or become a capitalist that you know you earn enough and come just be better than the commoners i do always think about this question because if you look at uh, at least in our country if you look at politicians like the politician the indian politician is a type right like they wear a certain type of clothes they uh, act a certain way they speak in like they prefer certain languages over other languages they live in certain kinds of houses they have certain kinds of values they have certain kinds of vibes and it's it's a it's an archetype that's been created right that um, because it it seems to uh, react well with the common people so even if like uh, say that a politician who has accumulated a lot of wealth either legally or illegally uh, if he has to like connect with the people then he obviously will always wear like khadi clothes completely white he'll travel in like normalish cars not like exuberant you know audis or bmws or like uh, rolls you have to put up like this kind of facade that allows you to connect with people while you while you kind of uh, live a two sided life um, you know in secret like this is you if you read about this 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 happens all the time right uh you have leaders who uh, who appeal to a certain kind of people who uh you know they know how to uh, trigger the a certain kind of emotional response in the common populace to get them on your side even if they may not uh, inherently believe in it the, i guess i'll just run through the four points which you mentioned you know you know you should not leave people in suspense and give your own thoughts um, the first point he said that you know disarm the populace and arm the elite just remove the guns from the common public just have the guns yourself and that way you'll be the winner i don't know like what did jared diamond uh, try to achieve using these four points but i guess we'll get to know uh, the second one was i think we the second one i think we already discussed right where he said that make the masses happy by redistributing much of the tribute received so you know whatever taxes and by that terms you receive uh, you reinvested back to the public because if you try to keep it all for yourself at one point the commoners will not uh you know bear with it and we'll use up the government the the politicians they have figured out a smart way to kind of uh, use this if you look at the, the us today like the us uh, has tons of problems right they have a whole problem with their infrastructure they have a healthcare crisis they have you know uh, they have a border that's been uh, you know that's completely mythologized and everything and there's like so many problems that the us is going through but their way of kind of at least pretending to solve that problem is uh, you know ma- like doing gestures like making a tax cut or in during the pandemic they'll be like 
uh, we'll give you a stimulus check of this this amount of money instead of actually like doing uh, what is necessary or instead of actually doing what should be done to kind of minimize the damage even if it's not as apparent you know distributing a bunch of money would it be uh, you know as long lasting as you know creating a good healthcare system like if the U- the citizens of us could you know get uh, healthcare for free from the start they wouldn't need like a you know uh, $1000 check um, just to survive through the pandemic so it's it's stuff like that right you make the masses happy by uh, you know doing these gestures but not really while not really changing it in my very limited knowledge of us and again you know from my ignorance i might be saying this the way it seems you know whenever there have a problem the only solution throw money at it and that is where they are in so much debt right uh, so uh, even though they have no plans on paying it you know in the near future but people know that us you know us dollar is you know very strong and all of that but the entire country lives on credit uh, or lives on somebody else's money so i'm sure uh, they hardly care about spending that amount but okay uh, coming back to the point uh, the third Anyway, going to the third point, he mentions uh, using the monopoly of force to promote happiness by maintaining public order and curbing violence. This is an interesting point, I would say, because like initially he started off mentioning that you know people who went to research these brands and tribes, uh, they saw no murders happening between them, and it made sense, right? That twenty-five of them living together, if they started murdering each other, hardly people would be left. That's a pointless exercise. But then. afterwards when jared diamond talked to others and for long term exercises he got to know that murder was the you know leading cause for death amongst them rather than you know doing this and there is this uh, line do you want to read that uh, when he asks uh, that lady that what happened to your husband yeah so <laughs> there's a uh, uh, he asks a woman you know uh, about her husband's death and she uh, basically he mentions that a typical answer was like this my first husband was killed by lop raiders my second husband was killed by a man who wanted me and who became my third husband that husband was killed by the brother of my second husband seeking to avenge his murder and so on and so forth apparently you know and it makes sense right if you have a centralized government you have police force and all of that uh, leaving aside uh, cases of police brutality but uh, if you have a effective law system you tend to live in that uh, safe mindset right that nothing will happen to you or your close ones and you can go about in your life that's like the ideal uh, wish but who knows okay coming to the fourth point uh, and i think this is what uh, pushkar mentioned earlier as well that the remaining way for kleptocrats to gain public support is to construct an ideology or religion justifying kleptocracy see this is this is everything this is uh, this is gods and uh, capitalism and everything this is just this is one of the biggest reasons why people are uh, so antagonistic towards each other these days he mentions this line you know they acted as they were hotline to gods like <laughs> no i guess it made sense right because i don't know which uh, episode i think it's we only talked about or maybe because me and vivek we were talking about something on free will where you know how it was in the free will uh, episode where we were discussing that how this ideology is like your patriotism towards the country it means if you logically look at it it means nothing it's just a place that you're staying in right but your the ideologies of patriotism to the country uh, you know your devotion towards the religion makes you so blind that you are ready to give up your life for a silly cause for a war for the like it's and that is what right you don't use your objective mindset what would happen to you your family and all of that you sacrifice all of that just for what just for a silly exercise of one person trying one kingdom trying to use up the other throughout history you know um if you try to uh, guess what people's motivations were 
for you know waging wars for uh, you know engaging is in such violent behavior like there are reasons that you can justify it right like you think that you are doing it to protect your fellow citizens you think you are doing it for the people you love you think you are doing it for the ideology you believe in that creates a peaceful world but in the end in hindsight when you look at when you when you are going to war it all seems so right and just and natural but when you look look back at it in hindsight it's nothing but just destruction and mindless death and just like tragedy you know like people need to stop and people need to stop and just consider just look at things in hindsight first before jumping into doing the same thing again and again because that's how we keep going in circles you know yeah that's that's all my point was about the kleptocracy like you know we talked about all of these four sections tribes bands chief dumps and states and all of that and uh, states obviously we skip but it's just the extension of chief dumps right chief dumps were uh, you had thousands and now we have billions uh, living in china india and all of them uh, so that's basically states where you have it's not hierarchical in some way but uh, you have you know elected leaders and all of that in some places or the others things like that but why are we talking about all of this that is the major question we need to get something out of this so jared climate tries to kind of examine the examine the way people try to explain of this whole idea of uh, states forming you know so like he mentions aristotle and rousseau who gave their interpretations of uh, why we live in the society that we do that because people are social animals because there is an inherent social contract between us and uh, between each other between us and the government all this stuff like uh, we had we learned during uh, our law school my law school uh, stuff and what it hinted what comes out of all the all this discussion is that none of the people who were talking about all this stuff were really scientists they weren't really going off of data or facts or any sort of logical conclusion it was more like theorizing rationalizing and writing the 100 page thesis that uh, will you know screw over the heads of law students for the hundreds of years to come the more the more you read about it the more you kind of become disillusioned with it that uh, you can write a you know a 500 page treatise about property uh, that you know you literally pulled out of your ass that is based on very little data or truth and yes generally there is there are some interesting insights in it but it should not be considered gospel by any means because if we look at the world as a whole that there is no way to have a singular theory of why why societies evolved the way they did over like over time and uh, across the world you know so i think that is uh, the biggest takeaway that jared diamond is asking us to uh, asking us to uh, read from this chapter it's that while there are factors that can explain certain aspects of why certain societies developed or why uh, the logical trajectory of you know band stripes chiefdom states happened the way it did but we cannot really uh, apply it as like a blanket formula to any sort of uh, given problem of any certain society that is one as you correctly mentioned because people were uh, putting things out of their ass um, he tried to break it down to the most logical sense right that and he tried to and this time i really liked the way he dealt with this problem because initially he throws up a question at the beginning of the chapter and then he answers it towards the end or answers or does not answer or says both of them are true but this time he actually broke down the question also even further so initially he basically asked that you know why did we evolve into states we could have stayed as tribes or bands things would have been fine we would be you know living in silos of 10s and 12s and uh, the world would be fine at place you know no abrupt murders happening 
or whatever might be the case but we evolved into a state like creature and then you know the most logical conclusion he draws is that population grew and if more population grows population density grows that means more popul- more people in a uh, in a place and if more people in a place they tend to band together that is how logically things evolve and it, there is some truth to this ground but again he tries to answer why did this happen why did it involve uh, evolve into a such a you know kleptocratic way as you could say where we had a initially we people adopted slavery you know they used to use up other lands and they used to take in slaves and then they evolved into chiefdoms where you know they would try to serve back to the society as well and then all of that but in try to explain that uh, i remember pushkar had also mentioned in one of the earlier episodes about this auto uh, catalysis process right where what a chicken and egg problem that did food production evolve because there were too much people or because there was too much people food production evolved or did i say the say the same thing twice guys understand that okay so uh yeah so the idea is that like was it the food production was a uh, trigger for more population and then because of more population the idea of societies chiefdoms and uh, states evolved so basically one feeds the other and the both keep growing correct and i think he mentions three i think yeah three or four reasons which were i think i really, really like them that you know why like for obvious reasons according to him why did we evolve into large societies instead of saying as you know hunters gatherers and tribes i think um, i'll quickly go through them the first one basically he mentions that we already talked about that if 20 people uh, if there are 20 people in the group you interact with them you know them but if there are more you uh, you won't know every one of them and then you start murdering each other like that's at the basic so uh, in uh, in order to for that then there had to be a central system so that they could maintain law and order or lack of murder or whatever and uh, you know keep people uh, sane in the second reason he mentions that decision making becomes a challenge and if anyone who has worked on a group project knows if there are more than 6 people it's a doom and imagine having like thousands of people and people taking communal decisions it's impossible in a state like ours so that is why there needs to be you know elected leaders who will take decisions on our behalf and treat us like idiots okay guys moving forward uh, third one is obviously economic considerations because in you know smaller groups you can trade in trading is easier basket part of system and all of that but as uh, you know as you let's say evolve into bigger societies you can't be like okay this is my tribe i live in this 13 acre land and uh, if i need something i'll go into my border and that time i'll be peaceful i'll take something and after that i'll be on a war with them things don't evolve that way so in order to make a proper you know economy and so that you know food producers can feed us food and we can provide them with law and it solutions depending on our professions currently <laughs> so uh, well, uh, that is the ideal state and then the last i think he mentions about you know population dense, densities and i think that is a more you know statistical answer which derives from the similar point that i mentioned earlier was that you know as there are more people more people are crammed into the small area and you can't be like okay this is my area this one box is my this another box is yours that's not uh, logistically possible even though there is a certain level of that uh, you know okay this border is india this border is pakistan i'm sure we will evolve into a you know good star trek world utopic world but that's just a uh, good hopes that i have for this and to basically summarize this whole chapter the idea of people coming together to form any sort of hierarchy or society was inherently important to the production of uh, you know why this ma- this chapter matters in the larger sense of the book is that all these the people had to come together to form these types of different types of societies to form the, this complex um, web of um, uh, institutions and organizations and people who uh, work in tandem with each other some of them oppress some of them uh, rule over each other all all this had to come together 
in the way that it did for it to basically create the title of the book that is guns germs and steel like if uh, societies had not formed by way of states by way of uh, uh, you know all these countries and uh, nation border and ideas of you know these ideologies that justified kleptocracies we would not have uh, guns germs and steel which uh, you know which in itself is a question ki would we be better off without it but as it stands if we look at history uh, the way that these things evolved led to the rise of guns germs and steel you know and that is why we are here so you know whatever be it good or be it bad because people banded together and you know formed these societies uh, we could move away from making just food we could depend on other people and work on you know improving ourselves be it for the good or for the bad you know that brings basically to the conclusion of this chapter essentially remember kids that uh, your wifi for you know the wifi that you're using uh, came from the deaths of thousands of innocent people why are you making kids listen to this guys um, i'm sorry if kids are listening to this <laughs> but yeah i think um, that was basically the gist of this chapter and you know it was all in fun and just seriously speaking you know those remarks but it's important to have this discussion so that you know, we know where we are in the current generation acknowledge the facts and try to improve from there and also learn about you know where we come from entire uh, you know initiative of knowing our history and i think in the next uh, part of this book i think which we are really very excited about where we i think there are four or five chapters which each of them deal with different kind of civilizations you know starting with first is polynesia then second one i think pushkar is very excited about is the china how china became chinese and then uh, we again oh, i think the first one is yalis people then the third one is again australia then we have uh, eurasian america then we have africa then we have japan so so much more exciting chapters coming your way uh, See, this is tuned. the kind of this is the history that i want to read this is what i was most excited about but we need, we had to get that background right we had to know that you know how we came up until the society i mean we had to you know and the, the only reason i started reading this book uh, was because i thought that the whole book was going to be this you know fourth part that were coming about that were coming to you know uh, in, from the next episode and that's why i, I said to you like we'll let's do uh, a review of this and that but reading the first three parts now like it's opened up so much of it's like kind of opened up my perspective um, so much that um, i've grown a little uh, closer to understanding the frustration that uh, our generation feels these days you know um, like made be with the government with our environment with you know uh, our ancestors anything like uh, like there is this general idea that uh, we are a generally like a more depressed more cynical generation and this book kind of helps you to understand why these things are the way they are and if you can understand something if you can understand the problem i think you can really like help yourself figure out ways to find peace with it or you know find solutions to it so i think in that way this book has been a really great uh, education for me and uh, yeah now part 4 is going to be the dessert it's going to be the fun part True. I was looking forward to that. And guys, just be peaceful. Yeah, keep smiling and all of that. And uh, yeah, we'll cover them and we'll meet you in the next episode. Till then, stay safe, I guess. Um, bye. Make good use of comment. Thank you for listening to this episode. Follow us on social media and do let us know if you want to be part of the next episode. Till then, live long and prosper.